So we're here in La Piccola in Limerick City Centre and I'm joined by Joy Neville. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Megan. My pleasure. Now, you're a very busy lady. We got you just after training, before refing. Like, it's non-stop for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's part and parcel of the game. Um, thankfully, this month has been quite enough compared to previous years with the Men's World Cup. You'd normally have Pro 14 and the IL started by now. So uh, a long pre-season, um, but certainly the back end of, of next year, it's going to be all go as well. It most certainly is. Now, can you bring us back to your own rugby playing days? What first got you into playing rugby? Um, well, I suppose I'm the youngest of four brothers. My <laughs> mum always wanted a baby girl and she had a fifth child as as, as a tomboy. Um, but, you know, I, I have, as I said, the four older boys, very close to them, always have been and certainly looked up to them and wherever they were, I just wanted to be around them, always wanted to throw the ball around, annoyed them, can I play, please, no, and always putting goals. But eventually, uh, you know, proved myself and made it in the midfield. Um, so, yeah, look, sport's always been in our family. Um, my brother Paul played professionally with Connacht and Munster and, and, and Ireland 20s and um, and all the rest of the lads played as well. And my, my dad and my mum's a, a big tennis um fan and played for years so it was inevitable I was going to get into rugby it was just unfortunate that the development wasn't there years ago compared to what's there to this day and so I probably was a late starter but I had a lot of skills under me due to the fact that I was always murdered on the field by the lads one of which had broken my nose when I was about eight accidentally um, and the, you know they always take credit for toughing me up I remember <laughs> they, they, they threw me in goals there um, uh, one day and I made this savage save and I remember this pain that I experienced in, on my, my right thumb and it, it just didn't look right. It was facing towards me. It wasn't facing the way it should have. And I ran home, my brother, not to find neither my mum or dad, There was, but my oldest brother, Gary, was there, you know, and he had this bright idea. This was back, geez, this was back 15, 20 years ago and it wasn't just as easy as picking up the, the, the phone and, yeah. and getting a taxi to A&E. And um, he said he had this bright idea, he was going to pop it back into place. So Gary takes massive credit for toughening me up and he obviously did a great job in, in fixing my, my thumb. Um, so look, it was inevitable that I was going to get into the game and um, six months after I started with Shannon, um, I was on the Munster team and uh, six months after that I, I was on the Irish team, thankfully. Absolutely incredible stuff and uh, like, tell me what it's like pulling on that Irish jersey for the first time. Uh, you know, not many people get to put on international jersey and represent your country, but it's a very, very special thing. And I was lucky enough to do it 70 times. Um, and, um, you know, I I loved every time I put that jersey on and, and, and represented um, Ireland. And, um, you know, people say to me, you know, you, you've, you have to commit so much time to preparing and, and getting ready and I have no regrets whatsoever I missed a lot of family uh, times and and when I was actually approached about refereeing I turned around Dave McHugh uh, an ex-international referee um, played he refereed in three World Cups and he asked me would I be interested and I said Dave I've given over a decade of my time to refereeing and you're asking me to go back into into or sorry to playing you're asking me to go back into into rugby and uh, about eight months um, he said look I'll, I'll leave you be for a while enjoy your time off but I have a feeling that you'll want a new challenge and he was right and about eight months later to the day he rang me and I said he, he meant business and I said right I'm going to ring someone I really respected mm. um, and just ask them I just wanted to know where what, what hasn't been achieved and what 
could be achieved. And I asked him one question. I asked him, would it be possible for a female to referee in, in the All-Ireland League, the 1A, which is the top league, the Gary Owens, Clontarfs, Corcans. And he said, Joy, not in my lifetime. And this guy was in his 50s. And I was like, OK, that's that then, you know. Um, put the phone down and I picked it up to Dave McEwen. I said, I'm in. <laughs> you know, it's nice to know. Yeah. It's nice to know, you know, to have an, a goal to what you want to yeah. achieve. And I achieved that two years later. And I think in this world, there's two people um, there. And at some stage of our lives, I think you'll, someone will tell us we can't do something. And it's it's inevitable at some some stage of our lives and you can be one of two people you can be the person who will listen to someone else's piece of advice and take it at face value um and or you can you can have that self-belief and 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 believe in yourself and prepare to the, to the max in order to achieve your goals and thankfully i i did the latter i absolutely love that story so i do now tell me how was it though because obviously as a player um i i played like camogie growing up in football and stuff and you know there's always like not not issues with referees but as a player you're 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 like you're not that you're arguing with referee but you know what I mean it's like yeah there's a different thing there so how was it for you then suddenly becoming the being the player and then becoming the referee so then kind of being on the other side of it yeah it wasn't easy mm. um it was a big transition because you're, you're coming from a team environment you make a mistake your 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 body beside you is going to slap you in the back and pick you up and and you carry on from there and and you have that you have that atmosphere you go through the highs the lows blood guts and, and tears and as a result you become you have this real close bond but as a referee it's it's very lonely because you make a mistake um and and at that a controversial mistake you'll have all the teams uh, both teams are happy 30 players and and those watching the game and um you you learn to grow thick skin and certainly I, I, I struggled with it at the beginning um, and you're never going to keep both sides happy unless it's a draw <laughs> and there's no controversial decisions in there also I think you just learn you know it's part and parcel of the game I think the stigma is, is reducing um, and it needs to be reduced further I think because in the end of the day without a referee there's no game um, but you just need to get on with it I know in the GA all the refs jerseys say give respect get respect um, do you think maybe there's kind of a maybe every rugby player and vice versa every uh, referee should kind of play both sides so like that if every player maybe just even did a stint to refereeing they'd understand what the referee the massive job that you have in the middle of the field and trying to like look after these two teams and, and ref fairly I'd, I'd like to do one better I'd like to see the parents of underage um, underage games rugby and other sports to, to, to give refereeing a try because um and not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, you see parents' behaviours in the sideline. And it's just not good enough because what will happen is it, trans it transfers to the kids, especially with, with football. Uh, you know, I think the larger organisations need to take a stance and not allow those well-known soccer players worldwide to behave the way they do because yeah. all that happens is the, the kids are just going um, just going to mimic that behaviour. And it's just not good enough. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind the parents giving it a go. And I think if they did, they'd see how diff it is so difficult refereeing. Um, I'm glad I'm in rugby and not in GA and <laughs> soccer, as much as I love those sports yeah. also. And I don't mean any harm by saying that. But um, I think, you know, our organisations are Pro 14s and, and European Cup. Um, you know, our bosses have a, and, and World Rugby have a hard stance against player retaliation. And we are expected to react to that and and quench it so that it doesn't it doesn't continue further in our game. Thankfully, that's it's known and it's, it's to a certain degree um, the officials are respected. I do have to say I love the level of respect in rugby and 
the way the the players address the refs as well. I think it's it's lovely. And, you know, obviously you're mic'd up too, so you're not hearing any 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 funny language. Yeah. Um, Joy, we have to touch on 2020. It's massive for females in sport, and we're just noticing with the GA the last weekend with Crow Park the finals, the numbers, the support is really there. But we've so much more to do. Yeah, and some would say there shouldn't be a need for for something like 2020, but I think the initiative is just wonderful. Um, you know, I've, I've been actively involved in 2020. Um, I just think that, unfortunately, the women's sports needs more social media, more publicity, um, more um, organisations to take note of women in sport. Um, I also think that we have a responsibility as fellow females to not just talk the talk but walk the walk support um, support the sports over the weekend another um, crowd breaking record mm. um, uh, you know and it's hopefully it's, it's going to build more and more and for me, I think you need to bring it right back to to schools. I think it's important, to, you know, to have, see kids more physically active, make it mandatory PE, um, and instead of of teenagers being peer pressured not to be active and, and to be involved in sport, if it's mandatory, they all have to do it, mm-hmm. and it'll become the norm. Um, and for me, I, that'll only encourage more females to stay involved in in sports and. What it brings to people, to, to young children, both male and female, in the growth of yeah. their personal development and you know, going through hard times, uh, good times um, and learning from the experiences, it's invaluable. So long may it last. I think 2020 has been extremely successful to date. You can't see it, you can't be it. So if you don't have role models um, like yourself uh, within this area, um, I suppose myself refereeing and like Katie Taylor and, and many, many more, um, like Fiona Coughlin, um, you know the only uh, one of a few females that are commentating in on rugby um if if young girls can't see they don't believe they can do it so i think we have a role and responsibility to show young girls that they can achieve whatever they put their mind to uh once they put the hard work in most certainly do and i think as i said we're seeing more and more sport in female sports but as you said we need to see more females in male sports like the we turn on the tv and as you said there's not enough female commentators there's not enough female on the sidelines so for you how was it when you first stepped out and you refed in, in the, the men's team because i think that's where we that we're going to start developing and see more females are hopefully joining look um i'd like to say it was easy it wasn't because i suppose when i first started there was one other female helen o'reilly who was refereeing in dublin and she was on the panel of um irfu referees so i was the second to join and i found there was a lot of lack of education from older gentlemen um that didn't really accept me in the middle refereeing a male dominated sport um i remember i rocked up to a clubhouse and all the players were outside chatting getting ready to go in and I met the, the groundsman was, was amongst the players and I just said, sorry, can you show me where the, the ref's room is, please? And he looked me up and down and up and down and eventually he goes, oh, a woman. And I said, well, the last time I checked in a way, you know, and I've, I always find humour works well yeah. instead of getting confrontational because you lose your message then. Um, and he was mortified. All the lads burst out laughing. He shuffled along and, and escorted me to the changing room and I came out of the changing room once changed and ready to, to warm up and I was met by another individual, um, a man in, in the club blazer and uh, an, an older older man. And uh, he said to me, oh, you're here to ref the thirds. And I said, no, I'm actually here to ref the firsts. Mm-hmm. So you'd be able to keep up with the pace of play. And and again, I just said, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll be fine. And um, I went out and, and, and I think for me, it's that's the motivation for me to perform. Yeah. So like 
the, the message I'm trying to get across is let's lose lose the tag of the, the first female referee to do X, Y, and Z. But instead, it's it's me as a person, regardless of sex, um, gender, sexuality, um, color, race, whatever it is. It's about the person doing a job in whatever environment we're talking about to a standard that's necessary. Um, and I think you know that's the motivation for me to go out there and not you know make any mistakes of course there's going to be mistakes but it's my motivation to 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 perform um and nine times out of ten those gents honestly have come up to me going wow you know you're one of the best refs i've seen and um and for me it's about educating educating those people and and making it the norm what i always kind of say when i uh, i used to give talks on road safety but i think it kind of works for everything is like we have to educate the youth but re-educate ourselves because as you said the older generation need to realize times are changing and there's more females coming over and taking over sport whether they like it or not. Well, it's like you can't teach an old dog new tricks, isn't it? Like, <laughs> we'll try. We, we get into bad habits driving as well, you know, yeah. as, as the older ones. So. Joey, I have to ask now, what, before we get to our limer questions, um, what is next now for you and, and refereeing? Well, I'm all about the realistic goals. Someone asked me there um, today only, uh, is your main goal to make a men's World Cup? And that's not my goal because... Um, you know, my, my first realistic goal was to, to, to referee in the All-Ireland. That happened. I never thought even Pro 14 and, and to referee in European rugby was, was going to be an option. Um, so for me now, um, it's, it's to assist in Six Nations to be on the line um, as an assistant referee. And uh, because there's a lot that you need to go through, a lot of stripes that you need to earn in order to be in the middle. Um, and I'm not even thinking about World Cups. I just, that's my main goal. And I'll do whatever I can to achieve that. And if it doesn't happen, I've bloody enjoyed the ride along the way. It's been absolutely brilliant. And actually, speaking of World Cup, who are you backing for it? Oh, this World Cup is going to be a smasher, <laughs> isn't it? Like, I think it's one of the most open World Cups that we've come across. You have, for me, you know, I think South Africa are going to be a, a, a real team to be reckoned with. I think they're they're the underdogs. They're going to be something um, something special. Uh, New Zealand, <laughs> I mean, which New Zealand's going to show up? I reckon when it comes to World Cups, they do perform. It's going to be down to small margins. Ireland, they're on the up. Confidence yeah. is building. Are we? Are they where where we want them to be yet? I think the first game will tell a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Australia, England, um, and Wales. I think it's really open. Obviously, Ireland. Um, I would love to see Ireland there. I do have a suspicion the World Cup final is going to involve New Zealand and South Africa. Um, but obviously, I'd love to see Ireland go all the way. Now, obviously, yeah, if South Africa do win, we're going to claim it because of Razzie and Felix and everything. <laughs> well, you have an all-Munster <laughs> back in the staff team, coaching team there between the SSC mm. and, and coaches. So, yeah, they're ours. We're taking them. <laughs> now, Joe, of course, we're in La Piccola, so there's no point asking what your favourite Italian is. Well, <laughs> well, I have a few, and oh. if I if I name one only, there'll be murder amongst the family. Obviously, the Piccola Pizzeria and La Cucina and Centro. So, um, yeah, obviously, Italians are my number one. Married into the family, and um, they certainly look after me. I've uh, put on way too many pounds since I've married into the family, but sure. Can't tell me, what's your favourite Italian dish? Italian's actually one of my favourite types of food. So what is your go-to here? My mother-in-law makes a really good gluten-free basculli. Um, so I, that would be my favourite. And she, you know, she looks after me there. Um, yeah, everything. They make great pizzas here as well. But yeah, basculli would probably be my number one. And what is your favourite thing to do in downtime in Limerick? So if you like a day, if you have a, a day off yourself, what do you like to do? Uh, we'll recycle on a Saturday or Sunday we normally go to Killaloo stop off uh, for a coffee and a bun that's the only way they, that's the only way to get me out on the road <laughs> um, I love what they did with the bank um, and uh, you know we'd normally bring the dogs out there and, and walk out to, to, to UL and back 
it's nice to leave, leave them off the leads and have a bit of freedom. Um, Claire Glens, love that. Um, but I think it's great. I think Limerick is, is really on the up and up. Um, it's good atmosphere, a lot more concerts than what there have been in the past. And hopefully that continues. Um, love the market on a Saturday. Now, these are things I'm beginning to get to do in the last month yeah. and a half due to the fact there hasn't been many games. Um, so I won't be able to do any of that now from, from next week on. We're back into our season and I'll be away every weekend abroad. So. Well, at least the weather's here. The weather's here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got the right time off. Joy, finally, the last question we'd like to ask uh, people in Limerick is, what is your favourite thing about Limerick? Could be the people, the places, or it could be just something, I don't know, totally abstract. Um, I do think Limerick people are very special. I'm sure every uh, every county person will probably say that about their own county. But um, I just think that we're very proud people. Um, we are very supportive when we see success in our own. Um, and I think we've a lot to be proud of here in Limerick. Um, now adding Greg O'Shea to the mix <laughs> who I've refereed well on Greg um, no but Cranberries um, the, the legends in, in the game in rugby um, Limerick Hurlers um, uh, the Rose of Tralee of recent uh, you know there's there's so much that we we, we can celebrate with the, obviously the, the the rugby museum opening up and and all that J.P. McManus does for Limerick like we, we're very we're very proud people and we're um, very supportive and um, I'm, I, I love where I come from truly um, and I'm a very proud Limerick person and I'll be living the rest of my life here absolutely love it Joy can I just say as well you're not just a role model to women you're a role model to everyone thank you so much thanks to Limerick Post Joe thank you